help create new ones in a new environment, including school or learning, as well as time for safely playing and relaxing. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, UACS Commission and UNICEF. The opinions expressed on this TV program by the host, co-host, guest and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates. afternoon and welcome to the revolution it is friday the 12th of june 2020 and we sit on the doorstep of a historic moment perhaps a turning point this weekend or perhaps just another day today should have been a black lives matter representation in castries but maybe it's a matter of sophistry and if you believe that the prime minister does not have the absolute power in a state of emergency to let things either happen or not happen well then you obviously are drinking the pineapple Kool-Aid that is this government's elixir. Folks, locked in on Hits Radio 92.1 in the north and 91.1 in the south, Hits FM. And of course, those of you locked in on Facebook, on UTV124, on Instagram, UTV124. And remember, for those of you looking to call in, you have two options. Back again, 5727588 is the regular number. And for those trying to call via WhatsApp, 4847588. Please take note of that all. So where should we start today? We are going to start and we're going to end and hopefully be on the right side of history by this time Monday, God spare, God willing. So let's start with shout outs. I was supposed to do shout outs regularly on Thursday, but since it was a holiday, I tried to do it on Wednesday and people send them in late. So let's get right to it. Shout outs going to the Dulcie family of Entrepo. Folks locked in from Diga Miku, as well as those locked in from Radway Orchard, Grosley. The two Bosejus, that's the one in the north and the one in the south. Good afternoon to you. And of course, um, the two Grand Riviers, Denry and of course Grosley. Shoutouts going to Randy Mondesi, aka Lion Eye and the Power to the People movement. And of course the inimitable Aaron Alexander. Good afternoon to the DeVoe family locked in from Kubari as well as the folks locked in from Cicero. Mark Hennicott, good afternoon to you. Dax Norville, Ian Louis, um, Errol Hunt, the folks over at Nagico, good afternoon to you. David Cooper, Paints Plus, good afternoon to you. Chris Pilgrim, a.k.a. Shaggy, good afternoon to you as well, and thank you for locking in. The great Dennis Jr., Morissette, great good afternoon to you. And of course, Bernard Buzzy, Alinga Ford, always locked in. Thank you very much. Shoutouts going to Norman Johnson, um, also the great Pocino, Greg Jr., Mathre. 
SKP Sherrick Polio, good afternoon to you all classmates and fellow Sumerians, as well as Camille Huggins, Gerard Bagas, Alicia Ali, Norman Johnson, Bruce Hackshaw, Theo Jamari, and the General of Castries himself, Augustus St. Luce. Good afternoon to you. Shout out to our great granddaughter, Alexia Edward of Toronto, Canada, on her eighth birthday, coming from the entire family here and over there. Shout outs to the Joseph family down in Lacuamingo, as well as all those locked in from Marigo, Cap Estate, the DDAs down in Jetwin, Saltibus, folks up in Lafay, VG, Castries locked in, Mondidor, Block X, CDC. Shout outs to the Destang family in Rodney Bay, folks locked in from Reunion, Chozel, Olio Denry, Kabish Babano, Crestland, Soufre, St. Lucians in the Diaspora, Maryland, New York, Connecticut, Toronto, Etobicoke, Ontario, as well as Scarborough and Mississauga, locked in from Berlin, folks locked in all the way in Germany, as well as those following us online from New Orleans, Miami, Austin, Texas, Roseau in Dominica, Maraval in Trinidad, and St. Lucians tuned in from St. Vincent today. Shoutouts to the Bryce family of Viewfort, as well as the Saltos family, who in Black Bay, Schwazel, and everywhere in between. Shoutouts to Nyla Fontaine and all La Fontaine and all of the good people of Schwazel, Saltibus. And yes, a big shout out to those locked in from Fosse Jacques. Good afternoon to you. Ready to declare your independence the same way there's Schwazel and Saltibus. It's not just Soufre anymore, it's Soufre, Fosse Jacques. And they are ready to take the next step. Shout out to the employees over at Lucilec, lastly, and a call from all of those or many of those who have been laid off in this whole COVID environment from the hotel and tourism sector. That doesn't make sense to just go back into the plantations by the sea. Whichever government comes into office, whether this one maintains office or the opposition attains office, the people who are sitting at home right now worried about their future are saying they want a pledge, they want a commitment, they want a solid confirmation that whichever government forms the government of, of after the next general election, whether it's UWP or Labour, that they want to insist that all hotels allow unions. All of them need to be unionized. And all sectors must have union representation. The people want their protection and they want their equity and their fairness but folks as we start like i said this is an objective clip so you have to see if the shoe fits i didn't doctor it i didn't insert anything to try to throw your mind one way or the other just listen to it for yourself and see if it fits how to become a dictator so you're decently charismatic, have a bit of an unhealthy craving to be a dictator, and want to get to the top fast. Assuming you don't already have an easy path in, like family ties or government power, here's how to become a dictator. There's a few baseline traits you need to have if you want to become a dictator. Charisma, as mentioned before, is key. You also need to be rich enough to pay off a few people, or at least afford your own bodyguards. Also, make sure you can stand to be lonely. The best dictators ensure they aren't too emotionally attached to anyone or anything. Still want to be a dictator? Good. Dictators have to be stubborn, too. Pick a country. Pick a country that will be easy to take control of. Go for economically weak or politically unstable countries. It'll be easier to convince the people in these countries to revolt. Also, make sure you aren't picking a country with too much patriotism. Create an enemy. This will have to be adjusted based on your country of choice. Convince the population that those people need to be opposed in every possible way. After you're in power, spread propaganda to keep that anger alive. Use your leadership skills, hatred of a group, and natural charisma to convince the people of your target country that you are the right person to take the highest post there. Don't tell them that you want to be a dictator just yet. It's much easier to become a dictator after 
assuming power. Just aim for a president or prime minister spot. If your selected country has a democracy, don't be afraid to bribe for votes. Now, all you have to do is expand. Slowly amass more and more power, and before anyone knows it, you'll have all the powers of a dictator without the title of one. With these steps, you'll be on your way to dictatorship in no time. If you decide this is too much work for you, you can always just create your own sovereign country and declare yourself dictator. And here we are today, in the middle of an extension of a state of emergency, which seems to be conflated and in stark contradiction, glaring contradiction, to the Prime Minister's actions in terms of openly campaigning, not social distancing, himself perhaps being a patient zero in community spread, glaring. We are trying to open for tourism when the majority of airlines won't fly, travel to a destination that is in a state of emergency, but yet... This has been normalized. Why? Because the people on the ground are seeing it and feeling it. They can't understand why their restaurant and bar has to close while the Prime Minister can go and sit down and have lunch in another, and nothing for that. They can't understand why they have to stay home and their children have to stay home, why they are disenfranchised, they can't open their tire shop, they can't open their hairdressing salon, and it has to be done in a phased manner, whereas... Government can do what they want. Ministers can go around, Herod, Bradley, Este, go all around, sit down, drinks, go and campaign, this, that, and the other. Nothing for that. Now people are trying to have a protest. Black Lives Matter. He writes a nice piece in empathy, but at the same time, the same person who has absolute power, no Prime Minister in St. Lucia's history has ever had more power than he has right now during the state of emergency. And yet, he's saying that it must fall to the police commissioner whether he gives permission for somebody to, to have a peaceful protest. And then we want to say that black lives matter. Wow. Yeah, talk about scapegoating. And the police um, putting out their missive simply throw, because they were supposed to lie down under the bus because he threw them under the bus. But they just pointed out under a state of emergency, they cannot. That still comes back to the prime minister. But... He doesn't have to be accountable unless he wants to be, because at the end of the day, we've granted him absolute power. And under the circumstances, it could be understood why, and he would have always gotten it anyway because he has the majority of seats in the House. But you see, with this now budding dictatorship, we have to ask ourselves, how did this happen to us? How did we get here? And whether we like it or not, St. Lucia's identity and history is charted more through our affiliation with whether it be slavery or colonization and anything else. And it has determined our social class structure. How things have happened or began to happen in St. Lucia does have a great correlation to us being a colony, then an associated state, and so on. So colonialism has impacted us. The crops that we grew in terms of sugarcane, and even now bananas was based on preferential treatment and arrangements with England. We know ourselves to be independent, and as if St. Lucia started in 1979, even though we were around for hundreds of years before. But the one constant in all of this was an overseer, a British-French battle for us and all the rest of that, strategic importance of how you could sail down onto Martinique from Castries Harbor or the hurricane hole that was Marigo, has shaped us. And it doesn't make sense for us to ignore it. It's like I did see a commentary where somebody said, the thin line of the white over the black in, in the flag should be taken out. But then I can look at it in another way and say that is how our history was. And yet at the same time, the black triangle is bigger. So there's all ways to rationalize everything. 
In the same way that the UWP has successfully pimped it out so that everybody believes the yellow color in the flag is actually yellow, when that's a political color. Can you imagine the Labour Party was in office and they changed it to red? The actual color is gold. That is the official gazetted color. So while we fight over the cerulean blue, we still can't get the gold right. And it looks like Labour Party people are being paranoid because they won't just accept the yellow. When the truth is, think about if the shoe was on the other foot. But in the whole colonialism thing, sparked not only by Black Lives Matter or the racial injustices that are going on around the world, but particularly in the United States, in St. Lucia, whether you like it or not, the fact of the matter is, and it was explained to me by a white St. Lucia who told me and explained to me, because St. Lucia didn't have, um, we still don't have national history, St. Lucian history being taught, even though Gregor Williams and others offered to design a syllabus for it. St. Lucia, whether it's St. Lucia was seven times British or seven times French, the land claims of the European settlers in St. Lucia, a.k.a. Caucasian Anglo-European whites and Lucians were always respected. And I want to give a shout out to somebody who made a very salient point on Facebook. And that is the great learned Rodney Theodore. And he said something that really, you know, makes, makes a lot of sense. And the statistics do bear that out. That we believe, like Sir Arthur Lewis says, the cure for poverty is education. But there are a lot of educated university graduates sitting down right now watching this show who are not only broke but are also in debt, student loans and otherwise. And, and even if they get a job, they're underpaid. You get a university degree in engineering and you can barely get a job as an administrative assistant or secretary in an office right now. And salaries have stagnated as well. But the point is that even with education, right now you have a situation where the inherited wealth of generations still is the determining factor, at least in St. Lucia, for who gets ahead. Because if you have a St. Lucian lawyer who came from a poor family and a St. Lucian lawyer who came from a rich family, the fact of the matter is the one with the rich family will still probably do better because of his social links or her social linkages because of their advantage. They can take more risks. They can take more whatever they want. They have more latitude. And inherited wealth has been shown to be the greatest determinant of who's going to be wealthy in the future. And that's why the rich and the elite work so hard to protect their fortunes and amass even greater fortunes. And we look at them and say, yes, they're greedy. And they figure that this is the right way to do things. So the point is that when people equate, which is sad and wrong in some ways, equate classism and elitism with race, in St. Lucia, unlike Barbados, where you have a lot of poor white Barbadians, you don't have a lot of poor, abjectly poor white St. Lucians. You do not find a predominance. I can only think of one white family that lives in, in Entrepot or in East Castries East, but Bonte, Cap Estate, Rodney Bay, um, Savans Bay, these areas, Mulashik, yeah, Soufre, Jade, you know, these kind of places. And we, we can have an honest discussion about that. And these are the vestiges of colonialism, whether we like it or not. To be honest with you, sometimes I say we, we, you know, slavery has been abolished since 1834, but a lot of us are still caught, you know, with the mental slavery. Here we are. I'm a slave master. You're my slaves. I spent a hundred years beating up on you, your grandmama, your great-grandmama, mm. making you work for nothing for me. Centuries after centuries. And then one day independence must come. 
I said, okay, fine, let's have independence. Let's sit down and talk about it. Here's how your independence is going to go, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you. And now, independence is signed. We're all happy. We shake hands. How sweet. All the land that I took from your family remains my land, of course. And now you out in the street begging. You know what I'm going to say? Look at this bum. What is wrong with him? These black folks can't do nothing for themselves. Here we am begging, begging, always begging. And we are so stupid. We won't even say, yeah. I'm begging because you stole my land. See COVID-19 now speeding up what we've been working on for so long to have the SIDS um, classified differently so we can access those funds? Well, we're certainly not allowing this crisis to go unnoticed and reiterating once more um, the impracticality of the economic global economic architecture as it pertains to um, small island developing states. So in simpler terms, um, the laws that define how these international institutions work with the small island developing states has to change. And so I think that we're all of one singular voice. But I think that the idea of constantly going, and I'm sorry to put it this way, because it, it's not begging, but it comes across as begging, where we go on an individual basis and saying, we're a small island developing state, we're vulnerable, and then you owe it to me. The world doesn't work like that. The world doesn't have, economics has no conscience. That's why I keep saying to everybody, you know, colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Economics has no conscience. You know, when it was time for Pan American to go, it went. Economics is about people. Economics is about improving the quality and the standard of living for the people of, of, of the country. That's what, that's what it is. And economics, Mr. Prime Minister, does have a conscience. Have you heard about the welfare states? Have you heard about social safety nets? Have you heard about transfer of incomes? Have you heard about transfer of technology? Have you heard of stimulus projects? Economics has no conscience. That's why I keep saying to everybody, you know, colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Economics has no conscience. A massa mentality. That's why I keep saying to everybody, you know, colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Colonialization had a conscience. When you, when you look at the issue, um, I think my prime minister was attempting to lead to, if I understand what he was saying, is that... There were people there, you know, there were people there, people, human beings who had a heart, who had a conscience. There were people there who had a heart. Folks, I'm going to attempt to do this one more time, just so that people understand where the offense should be taken. And I also want to point out to you, those who do not take offense, where the problem lies in this. Not for bias, but just so that you understand. Economics is the mathematical distribution of resources, assuming that resources are always scarce or finite, um, or that when they're not sustainable. 
colonialization or colonization was the systematic, deliberate ignorance of conscience, morals, or ethics to deny an entire race their humanity, calling, pe- calling black people three-fifths of a human being, making it plausible to treat them as you would any other animal. Black people are the only people, note well with Indians, with, with Chinese, they were indentured servants, but black people were treated as if they were not human. So the analogy is so fantastically wrong that it's, it stretches credulity. It, and I've said it before, it says a lot about the person who thought of the analogy. Because if I were to come casually, and I've used this example before, but I'll use it again. If I were to say, boy, you know when, you, when you're raping your son, you know you're bullying your little son that he's five years old. How, how is that? How could I even think to say something like that? Boy, you know when you're molesting your daughter? Cannot be. How does that even come into your mind? Where would the conversation come to normalize this to the point where you would think about saying it? That is the point. The part where you are humanizing and giving conscience to something which displayed a great, the antithesis of conscience. Because it was done in such egregious fashion that it was literally a lessened definition of a lack of conscience. And you are comparing it to a calculator, to a book, to a science, to a whatever. Of course you can say that a book technically has no conscience. The same way that a plate or a stone or a tree or a leaf has no conscience. But you, tr- you actually try to use an absolute of something that could never have conscience because it is a mathematical equation applied to society. And you brought that all the way. You had to find something that was literally flat so that if something was 1% better than it, it would look better. No. Even then you are wrong because colonialism is literally the lesson definition of a lack of conscience. And it was supported and propagated and marketed to the point where even now you would even think to draw the effing reference is reprehensible beyond belief. But you see, the part where people are trying to rationalize it lies in our cognitive bias. And all I have to say is, what if Philip Pierre said that? What if Kenny Anthony said that? What if Stevenson King said that? Why would we accept it? But Shastney has beaten us to a pulp with his own indomitable ignorance. When you're talking, he's talking about colonialization or, co- or massa mentality, he refers to landlords and how much you pay. He doesn't even know the basic history. But all he knows is that there's a rationale for it, as if it's something to be equated to tough love. And unfortunately, whether we like it or not, just like every part of the world, St. Lucia has racists. I, for one, I know people say racism can only be a white person towards a black person because white people had economic power as well. But I believe that a racist is a racist. You can be racist towards white people. You can be racist towards Indian people. It is your cognitive bias. You can be racist towards black people. Black people have felt the economic effects and the physical effects of hundreds of years of targeted, focused, consistent racism. So that part I acknowledge. But in St. Lucia, the vestiges of colonialism again have given people advantage. Like I said, 
the Caucasian European families that settled in St. Lucia, all had their land claims respected by the British or the French. So St. Lucia may have been seven times British, seven times French, but those families, the British and the French families that settled here from Europe, their land claims were always respected. And it's scientifically proven that products of advantage tend to continue to have that advantage even though those poor people get educated. But let's get down to what we really need to talk about. Hi, I'm Raquel Duboulet Shastany and this is my OMG interview. Um, I grew up in St. Lucia. My family is one of the oldest French families on the island. We've been around for a very, very long time. No, I'm very blessed, I think, to live in an island like St. Lucia. It's not something we ever grew up with. I know there are some other islands that deal with those ongoing tensions. It's not an issue we have ever faced in St. Lucia growing up. I think people people have never made fun of my complexion and, and certainly not the other way around. Um, I think it's one of the few islands in the Caribbean where I can truly say racism has never been an issue. I think when Alan entered the political arena, it was the first time I think somebody of his complexion had done that. And there were some calls, there were some comments. Um, I think it was vastly in the minority, thank God, and ultimately it seemed to have not played a role in any way because obviously he was elected with a fairly, fairly overwhelming mandate. Now, for full disclosure, I must tell you that even though I am a hunt and my mother's a clerk and my family between the clerks, the hunts are also related to the Comptons, my daughter, my one child, although I'm the guardian for a legal guardian for another child, it is not my biological child, although people throw that at me, no problem, take it as a badge of honor. The fact is my daughter is with a Dubulé. So I have to say that for full disclosure and their family has been great to me. Right, whether it's Dunstan or Jeffrey or everybody in between. But I also have to enunciate that that was great PR. And if say what you want about the Prime Minister's wife, after Guy Joseph, she is the best politician in St. Lucia, in, the, in all the good ways and all the bad ways. Fantastically smooth, almost impossible to attack, even though the issues are glaring. But let's, I guess everybody has their own reality and their own life experience. I have experienced racism in England, in Canada, in the United States. I've experienced it with friends and not. I've experienced classism, right? Whether people want to think that, boy, Hunt, Casa, you are a rich fellow. Another time, Casa, mate, you know, you get that. But I also experienced racism growing up in St. Lucia. When you go to tennis, those that would lock you out. I know when I went to birthday parties for white kids and they called me blackie and nigger while I was on boats and at people's homes. For some strange reason, they always thought that because I was black, I always wanted the chocolate ice cream and I couldn't get vanilla. And all of these things, there's a number of stories, and that's just me. I'm sure people can tell you the stories of how only fair-skinned people could work in a bank or the people that were shipped off when they, when they, if they dated a black man or, or black woman, or all of these kinds of things. The same thing for inside children and outside children. Same thing for all, but there's a bastard and this, that, and the other. We've all had to go through these evolutionary times. Now, I would like to say that, I, but, um, that we're not a racist country, 
But just like every other country, we have racial tensions and racial issues. You sit down with a group of Indian solutions, listen to how they speak about black people. You, listen, you sit down with a bunch of white solutions, they come, yeah man, these urchins man, urchins. You, you hate, you know, they would never think that a black man would go to the bottom of the ocean to see what an urchin is black, so it's another way to say nigger, and they figure you're too stupid to figure it out. And then black people are racist among to themselves. Right? Now, our colonial mentality has affected us. It's part of who we are. You cannot be, for example, be raised in a church, in whatever religion, all right, or raised as an atheist, or raised in, in Africa, or raised in Europe, or whatever. Whatever your life experience, it must affect you. Now, does St. Lucia have racism? Yes. Does St. Lucia have racists? Yes. And are people in St. Lucia both inadvertently conflating race issues because most of the people in the upper classes of St. Lucia traditionally have been white people? Yes. Caucasians? Yes. And most of the poor people in St. Lucia, have they been black people? Yes. And then the, then the, the elitist argument is that black people don't know how to make money, they don't know how to save, just like in the States, and they are right. But the other thing too is that whether it was the Indian culture that came down with a respect for business as indentured servants and how to make money, and the Syrians, the Arab culture also, and the white culture, the black person had their identity erased and were not taught any of these things because they were the labor force. So what one person sees as a mendicant, another would see as a poor person who has never gotten a chance. Now for me... I can understand if you want to say that Alan's race did not play a part in the elections because you would think in St. Lucia on the surface that people would not vote for a white man. But the truth is they already did vote for a white man, if you want to put it that way. First of all, I don't consider Alan Chastney to be white. I consider him to be mixed. He has a white appearance. I don't consider Kenny Anthony to be white. I consider him to be mixed. He has a white appearance, just like my daughter, both of them. Right? Now, that being said... In, for all intents and purposes in St. Lucia, that's Kule Waiyayai. And people say that we have never elected a black prime minister. Stevenson King was selected and then he lost. He did not win the election. Vaughn Lewis was selected and then he lost. He never. But then again, Alan Louisi, maybe it was around the time of the black power movement, was definitely a black man. But we don't, we don't remember that. So it's how you want to remember the history. Now, here's where it gets tricky. I believe that Alan Shastney and many white St. Lucians know what it is, not necessarily to be St. Lucian, but they know what it is to be in St. Lucian, how people look at you. We look just like we look at tourists coming off a boat as being naive, easy to work out for money, must have money, and usable. And I think he spent a lifetime with people wanting to use him or take advantage of him because of his name, because of his complexion, because of his accent. And at some point he said, you know what, exchange is no robbery. You use me, I'll use you, and I'll become prime minister. And I think that all of the statements that were made were made because people were trying to make the class argument. But they couldn't make the class argument. And of course there were people who made racist comments. But I will also say that no political leader, no leader of any organization ever made any official racist statements. You can talk about a classist statement where Kenny Anthony spoke about the election not being between the Labour Party and the UWP, but being between the Labour Party and the Chastneys. And for many that has proven true as a class statement. But when it comes to race, 
The only person in St. Lucia who ever espoused racial epithets, that ever injected race into the campaign officially, the same way he's the first person to ever officially politicize crime, is actually Alan Chastney himself. There is no record of Philip Pierre. Philip Pierre spoke about class. No record of Kenny Anthony. Kenny Anthony spoke about class. Stevenson King on all the others. The only person to officially make a statement is Alan Chastney. Now, has he been the subject and been tarred and feathered for his race? Yes. Unfairly, in many cases? Yes. Just like the same people who did not see any problem with when it was happening to Kenny Anthony. And both ways, it was wrong. Where the real argument is, is the value system. Richard Frederick touched on it last night, but those who all they could hear was Richard Frederick called him man a white man, so write it off. And I understand that. And those who support Richard say, that's, that's not racist. No problem. At the end of the day, both of y'all are right and both of y'all are wrong. This is how you choose to deal with it. For me, I can say that it is not about his color. The same way I could say for Kenny Anthony, it's not about his color. Or Von Lewis, it is your value system. Do you put people above projects? Do you put profit or GDP or whatever you want to put? Do you put your friends before the average person? What are your ethics? What are your morals or lack thereof? And for me, the issue is that. But as we enter close to an election, remember that the last election, St. Lucians were essentially embarrassed into saying, you know, all these racist comments that come in at Chastney or imbued or implied racism, yeah, man, we'll vote for him. But the truth is, in the back of many St. Lucians' mind, they thought they were getting, just like Trump was sold as a businessman that could make everybody rich, St. Lucians figured he doesn't know us, he doesn't share our values, but he can grow the economy and he talks garrulously and cavalierly like he has something going. Yeah, that's all well and good. We voted for that. Don't apologize for it. It is what it is. It was what it was. And so far it hasn't panned out. But recognize that from a value standpoint, he never really put much stock in St. Lucians. And it has proven itself. The track record is there to show that he never really invested in St. Lucia. The same way that charities only come up now. Right? Dunstan Dubolet, to his credit, was doing charity work, and the Dubolets have been doing tar- charity work for generations. But the Prime Minister's wife readily admits it's only when you became Prime Minister, she wanted to do charity work while she's there. You, some will give kudos to that, others will see it as pure convenience. The same people will attack Kenson for giving $20,000 to Grosley and say that's disingenuous, but at the same time, they will go and put on a pink dress and go and sit down at one of the venues that the government conveniently conflates and lets be used for specific charities while others suck salt. My point in all of this is that right now, race is being made an issue, and some people may be falling for that bit when it is the value system the difference in the values that should be the issue. So Guy, Nancy Charles, and all of them that will jump on Richard Frederick, and Richard Frederick has to now ask himself, how does he keep opening himself up for those things? Are those just people that want to excoriate him and go at him? Or he himself, is that something that he has to do some sort of um, self-examination over? But I will say this, right now, the UWP is going to play that race card, even because it worked in the last election. And they're going to continue to play it when the truth is that it's about values. And some desperate people out there, they are trying to, to, to malign him and to make his complexion an issue. Another word for Kennynomics is plantocracy economics. Because it's only in the days of plantocracy 
that a landlord would impose taxes on the people who were working the lands and not care about the conditions of their work or their living conditions, but was more concerned about his own living standards. I will tell you, no St. Lucia, no right-thinking St. Lucia will attack somebody on the complexion, the type of hair that they have, or anything like that. A massa mentality. Of course, um, children often carry the, the burdens of, the, of their parents and foreparents, but it, it is also equally unfair that you have to be um, judged not by who you are, but what others think you are. But the fact of the matter is, the Barnard family were never ever engaged in slavery. Um, they were not planto- plantation owners during the period of slavery. They actually arrived in the Caribbean in the 1880s and they came out of Sussex in the United Kingdom. They yep. cannot find fault with the Prime Minister on his leadership and where he has taken this country. So they have gone to an all-time low to try and attack him on his complexion. But when one sees where the history and the heritage of Dr. Anthony and that a massa mentality and you can change your name but you cannot change who you are look at that folks niggers in control employment isn't Shasne right there hmm? isn't Shasne right there did he not implicitly endorse we black people being referred to in such a derogatory term? Did he not endorse it? Hmm? Did he not endorse it? Did you all ever call him out? Pastor, did you ever call him out? And guess what? He used our people to degrade us. He used our people to degrade us. make so many poor decisions? I know it's a harsh question, but take a look at the data. The poor borrow more, save less, smoke more, exercise less, drink more, and eat less healthily. But the underlying assumption is the same. There's something wrong with that. It was an experiment with sugarcane farmers. You should know that these farmers collect about 60% of their annual income all at once, right after the harvest. And this means that they're relatively poor one part of the year and rich the other. And the researchers asked them to do an IQ test before and after the harvest. What they subsequently discovered 
completely blew my mind. The farmers scored much worse on the test before the harvest. The effects of living in poverty, it turns out, correspond to losing 14 points of IQ. Now this narrows your focus to your immediate lack, to the sandwich you've got to have now, the meeting that's starting in five minutes, or the bills that have to be paid tomorrow. So the long-term perspective goes out the window. They're not making dumb decisions because they are dumb, but because they're living in a context in which anyone would make dumb decisions. Poverty is not a lack of cash. Poverty is a lack of cash. You're watching UTV. TV for you. You're watching UTV. TV for you.
Welcome back to the revolution and thank you for joining. Now, I've said it before, scientists have said that there's no way to prove that any one of us is experiencing the exact same reality as the other. Even if you're sitting next to somebody right now at your home and you're experiencing the same day, the same time, the same venue, you may have a totally different upbringing or totally different life perspective on a smell, a taste, an image, anything, how you process things. Now one of the things that's happened with the coronavirus is that it has forced us to get more of a synchronized reality. So people cannot just sort of in ad infinitum to go and watch Netflix or to go and party or to go and play sports or to be in their own reality with their own friends and so on. And the generations have had to reunite parents spending more time with children, children spending more time with each other as siblings. Um, people have gone through social media and come in and come out of all of that. But certain things are affecting everybody. The economy or lack thereof, now called the eek, no money. The lack of clarity on the way forward, whether it comes to agriculture, fisheries, reopening of the economy, politics, health, education, corruption, 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 and everything in between. And people are looking for solutions for how they're going to pay their rent, how they're going to feed themselves, how they're going to take care of themselves, pay their bills, electricity, flow, Digicel, how are they going to get the clothes that they need, how are they going to get everything, their fan breaks down, what are they going to do. And there's no, and that is the sad reality right now, that there seems to be no leadership in terms of the government outside of the health response, which they deserve full credit for particularly the CMO and the Ministry of Health team, right? And the Prime Minister can take credit for that, no problem. And nobody's been ungrateful in, rec in recognizing that we haven't had a lot of cases compared to other parts of the world and no official deaths. But then again, St. Vincent, as I've shown and has been proven, has the same amount of, of cases as us, actually one less. They're doing much more testing than we are doing, just like Dominica and others are doing. And in St. Vincent, there's never been a state of emergency and no shutdown. Now, I've said it. I could understand why the Prime Minister shut down for the seven days. But outside of that, like John Peter said, it's been ad hocism. And in truth, the coronavirus or COVID has exposed the weaknesses of this government. And even now, the poor prioritization that they have in terms of what they're doing. You couldn't pick a worse time to be trying to get people to vote or to get people, Maslow's hierarchy of needs in sociology. People are looking for food, shelter, clothing, their immediate needs, electricity, paying their rent, paying their water bill, getting proper water so they can sanitize and all the rest of these things with COVID. They're worrying about their child and their education and CXC and past papers and all of these different things. How are they getting groceries? How are they going to get the medication that they need to deal with their family that is hypertensive, diabetic, the elderly person that may be related or whatever. But you come with a yellow shirt and say, hey, my my father. So the disconnect to me is there. And the only reason somebody would be doing this is if they knew things were going to get worse moving forward. So they're trying to squeeze it out now to see who is sleeping. But let's see if people are sharing the reality. When I listen to the Alan Chastney manifesto and all his sound bites, Alan was going to run the government like a business, the economy like a business, and he sold us on creating a new St. Lucia. 
And, you know, who is not for a better St. Lucia? But in his vision, what he forgot to tell us was that in order for him to provide us with this new St. Lucia, he's bent past on destroying anything of the old St. Lucia, whether it's the St. Lucian psyche, whether it's our heritage sites, anything. And both in a metaphor and physically. And that's worrying, Rick. That's worrying. Mama is a Lucy. Mama is a Lucy. Mama is a Lucy. Now, Cuthbert Didier, as an economist and as a yachting consultant, was actually brought in to the Ministry of Tourism by Alan Shastny. So he has worked with him, tried to ally with him. But at the end of the day, this is what his conclusion seems to be. What about Swinger? Denise, good night, good night. He has been, uh, he had been a fervent supporter of Shastny. Do you remember him? I know that our people appreciate that help and not the Chinese come merchants that is now bound, like Tio and the so-called galaxies come. That is now abound. Dominic and Bradley, I know, were in Shanghai on the galaxy projects come. I was somewhat speechless because I cannot understand why the government fails to understand and cannot see that this is another scum by the Chinese company. The scum came to light in St. Kitts, yet we are now buying into this. I believe that the good people of this land must never allow this to take place and to allow these Chinese into our country. Our crown lands must never be given, never been given to anyone, more so Chinese. To be honest, I'm fed up with what is going on in our country at this juncture. I fought hard for this government's victory in 2016 because I wanted to change for the better. But what has taken place is simply nonsensical and unacceptable and a change for the worse. Any fool can tell you that unless you have a hand in the pie, what are these people going to leave for our children and their children? Stones and rocks? So then you say these are the talking heads, just like me, you know, get on TV, do a commentary, say something. What about the people? So I went out and I looked for people, John Q. Public, and I said, well, let me at least try going into a constituency that was won by the United Workers Party government, a constituency that was won by over 400 votes, right, by Dominic Fede. And now this is what the people are saying. Nobody. Bring food for the needy in ancillary. Because I was giving some relief there and I noticed people do some bad manners and they go with three bags, four bags, two bags. It wasn't looking good. The government need to help the people in ancillary. That's the worst government we never have in 50 years. I'm 53 years old. That's the worst government we never have in 50 years. That's a muffler boy. 
have so much proof before the COVID-19. That's what the Prime Minister said, of course. Something is wrong. And you mean to tell me that it takes a month or two weeks yet? You can't sustain nothing for, no, for nobody? Something wrong somewhere. Only one time they tell me, Mr. Since the virus passing, they saw Mr. coming out. I see nothing that the government is doing in the country. No money. So, what do I do? Where do I go from here? Go and look for a place for him to go. Go, go and look for another place. Not in Ancillary again. I'm sorry, but they don't do nothing in Ancillary. You're not doing nothing. What? What? You're not even seeing Fede. Be careful with the matter. Just take down. It's ready for. It's ready for. No hope. How there is any hope for him? You have hope to give. If you have hope to give, well, you give him. Put water for the people in answer. We have a gutter there by the a drain. He said we'll fix up the drain and up to now we are doing nothing with the drain. And they're giving you their friends work. We're still waiting. Fede not mean nothing for nobody in answer. They have food giving only for Flambo they giving their food. They have person his name is on the list to give food and the other the rest of the people do have nothing to get. I would rate him four percent. They're giving their friends but you are not in it. What has he done for us? He has done nothing for us. I spoke to one of his um his guys to come and fix up that road up to a day like today. It's a farming road. Up to a day like today. It's every day he'll call me back, he'll call me back, he'll call us back, up to now, nothing. Because, because he's Fede and I'm Fede, I've been I'm in his office many times and asking for help. And he gave me a phone number and when I call that number, that number just ringing, ringing, ringing. And nobody, no message, no nothing, no response, nothing, you know. I've been going to his office and that guy is just bluffing people. Fede, we not even seen Fede. I not even seen. I was working nice, and he said he was going to give us back our job, and to take it back. Nothing is not doing nothing. So that's ancillary, a snapshot. I'm not saying that there aren't people who have different opinions, but that's what I got. I didn't have to ask many questions. I just asked people, how do you think things are going in the constituency? What would you like to see? What do you think about the whole situation right now? And people spoke. And it's the first time I ever experienced people who were afraid to comment because they felt they would get too angry and use expletives and so on. And I thought people were just saying that because it... And then you'd walk away, and then two minutes later when you come back down the same lane... They would be arguing, upset because that was what they wanted to say. They just didn't want to say it on TV. And you see, the government has literally chosen to ignore the people to the point where even the International Monetary Foundation, who knows none of us, 
personally, none of us personally, understand that there are human beings in distress. So they gave money to St. Lucia, specifically to ameliorate the situations that people are in. And the government has channeled it towards capital projects where it can siphon off money for elections and left the people. Even worse, it is now trying to squeeze the people more with new bills and levies. So that even those who support this government, who support the United Workers Party, have not been able to defend them. $100,000 under four years. Somebody can walk into an establishment and whip out a gun and shoot to kill and maim or hurt or even kill four people at a time. And when they get to court, they get a slap on the wrist, um, $5,000 bail. But for a small business owner who is trying to do the right thing, who maybe did, has not gotten around to registering, and you're going to slap them with a fine of 100000 $100,000 and four or four years in prison, I think that is tantamount to having your, your knee on the neck of a man and putting it there, keeping it there while your hands are in your pocket and, and, and stifling that person, asphyxiating that person. I think it is egregious. I think it is way too strong a fine, $100,000, especially now in this era, in this COVID-19 era, you're going to find somebody $100,000 or four years in prison. I think that's highly egregious. I think that needs to be checked again. I think you guys need to go back to the, the drawing board. As a matter of fact, that should not have even gotten to the drawing board status before consultation, because I highly doubt that a, a, a thorough consultation process was was um, was done because if that was the, was the case, a lot more Airbnb hosts would have known about it and would have uh, would have um, um, given their opinions and 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 really spoken out against this. I think it's way too harsh. I think we're not putting this thing into perspective, and I think it is a damning, damning, damning play of keeping the smaller person down. Perhaps the side effect of the coronavirus and COVID pandemic has been the re-emergence of common sense and shared common sense shared by everyone except the cabinet of ministers. I just went through Facebook and Guy Joseph pop up talking about trying to stop some work for the people of St. Lucia in Bexong, Denry, whatever. And what is basically said that the IMF said if they do those little things they're going to be doing showing that they're responsible well my bank told me that a long time ago one time I went to them and asked them some money and they told me the way I spent the money that I had before and the way that I do my spending I was reckless I did not spend my money right and they told me in order to give me more money I need to go back and learn how to spend my money. Do not waste my money giving it to Jabals. Do not waste my money making bomb. Do not waste my money buying houses that I don't need. Do not waste my money buying furniture that I don't need in my house. Again, that is what the bank told me. The bank is just like the IMF. So Kai Joseph is saying that the IMF said to go and they, they, in fact, what he's trying to say, that they are trying to start little jobs, showing that they are being progressive, and that will make the IMF and other countries 
help them to get some loans to develop St. Lucia or whatever. My point is, this is correct. You are not saying it the right way, guy Joseph. It's not that you're trying to do things to make the IMF give you money. What the IMS is telling you and the rest of the people governing St. Lucia is that you all did not manage the money well. And that is why you all have no money. And for them to risk their money to give to you all again, if you all have to give your money again, you all need to manage the monies you all have, the little caca that you all have, you all need to manage it well. And they're going to give you all money. Because obviously, you all did not manage the money of St. Lucia properly. Now I want you all to understand that's what they're telling you all. You are not just doing this because you want to start a little job. That's what they send you all and do. Because you all did not do it. You all did stay four years in the government. And you all did not do it. You all did not manage the monies of St. Lucia properly. I don't care what you all say. It's a fact. Why would they send you money and teach you how to use the money? It's because you did not manage the money properly. So as I'm there and Corona come, I have to manage my little money well. And that is maybe they teach you all an example that you all should have managed the money properly. And if you want to come back and ask for money and anybody to borrow you money, you all must show that you all are being financially conservative and then they will lend you all some money. So you all screwed up in the past. You all screwed up. Now, are, are you all going to fix it? Will the St. Lucians give you or forgive you all? That is their decisions to make. It is not mine. But the fact remains, you all screwed up the money. So now the IMF is telling you all to go and learn how to manage money. If you all cannot manage money, they will not give you all no more money. So all this other work you are talking, the guy Joseph is saying, oh, he's doing this and he's doing that to, so that the IMF or other people will give them a loan. They send you and do it because you all wasted the money in the past. If you were financially conservative, that would have not have happened. It's just like your credit score. If you have a low credit score, they will not give you anything because you are irresponsible with the money. So, guy Joseph, again, and the people of St. Lucia, it's your choice who you want to vote for. But I'm just saying that what is happening right now is you all did not manage the money at the time. You all should have managed the damn money. You all did not manage the money properly. And that's why I don't get, even get involved in this politics because you all are ridiculous. That money was not managed. Whatever you all say, it was not managed properly. And let me tell you all one more thing. Yes, you all said the Labour Party did not do it. Okay, maybe the Labour Party wasted money. But that's why we put you all in there. So you all can do better than the Labour Party. That's the reason we put you all in there. Now I heard some of you all saying there was never money in there. Okay, there was never money in there. Money started coming. You all know they have no money. Why were you all doing all those parties? Why were you all doing all those things? Ridiculous! Now you see, pluralistic ignorance tells us that even when people see a problem, people don't speak out. People are afraid to speak out. But there are a lot of people who have been speaking out for a long time because the alarm bells have been going off from probably six months into this administration from the time the DSH agreement was signed and then the document was leaked. We knew that we had a cavalier and sadly, openly, brazenly, boldly 
almost boastfully corrupt governments. And then you saw the cashing in of the people that needed to cash in their political favors. And people had been speaking out. It's just a matter of who was and who wasn't listening. People need to understand. We cannot allow a dolphin prison anywhere near our country. And something that you all might not know, the company, Dolphin Discovery, you know where they're from? They're from Mexico. Do you know that the Mexican government has outlawed dolphin prisons in their own country? So in their own country, they cannot do it. The, what they have there is being shut down. They are being closed down because their own government has made it illegal to have these things. And they want to bring it here. So what are we? We are everybody's leftovers. We can't have anything new. I mean, 20 years ago, folks, is when dolphin parks were becoming popular. So is it, what, what, what is it? We can't have a new thought. We have to take everybody's leftovers. I mean, if I throw a pair of shoes away because it can't fix, you're going to pick it up and put it on your foot? No, it mash up. It's not good again. <laughs> well, that's true. That is true. <laughs> so, please, think before you just jump on this bandwagon of, oh, we need jobs, jobs, jobs. No, the type of jobs that may be produced by any one of these disasters to our country will be so menial and it's an insult because personally, I would like to see my people get out of that cycle of poverty because a poor person is an easy person to manipulate, right? So if you only ever give people jobs, cleaning a toilet and making somebody's bed, how can they get out of that cycle of poverty? Let people do something that will get them and their children and their grandchildren out of that cycle. We have to, we, we have it within ourselves, folks. We don't need, we do not need what is being proposed. We have it within ourselves. Look at, look at all the businesses here. Look at all the people making, as Christopher said, an honest living right here. We need to encourage our people to be self-sufficient. We have talent. We have drive. We are educated. We are intelligent people. We do not need to sell our souls to the devil to get it. And that is what I believe that our administration has done. They have sold their souls to the devil and they are dragging all of us to hell with them. Not me! Well, I've made it very clear, unfortunately, that I've, I've, had, I've had to now make it clear who I have voted for. I voted for the UWP government. I voted for the UWP government. And this, and I find myself standing on a street in Castries because I am so disappointed. The Prime Minister taking away the subvention for the National Trust, in my mind, is the most unnational thing that a leader of a country can do. Because we need the National Trust. Whether people believe that or not, the fact is, is that without the National Trust, what people, what tourists come here for will be gone. And if we want tourism to survive, we cannot destroy the National Trust. If we're relying on tourism, 
You can't destroy what is protecting what tourists come here for. And there are those who tell you, this is just like every other administration, tit for tat, nothing's really wrong. And others who realize that when you come in and you have 60 murders and you have crime running rampant, and then you realize that the government and the people may not necessarily have a problem with crime, only violent crime. And then others start to speak up and they're telling you that you need to lead by example. And if not, the example that you don't set or the negative example that you set, it gives people permission in their minds. According to Mr. Gajada, the attacks on businesses are not a new phenomenon. While the police commissioner has issued a strong warning to perpetrators, the attacks still continue. Over the past two weeks, a number of businesses in the city have all fallen victim to bandits. Mr. Gajada believes that the situation is a reflection of the current administration's management of the country. Because of the way the government acts, you know, everybody else follows suit. I mean, it's bad for me to say, but, you know, all the citizens follow what they see the leaders do. And I think the leadership of this country um, is evident in what goes on in everything else. And that's the reality of it. If we have a different leadership and that, that shows a different direction, everybody else moves to that direction. But this is not. And just imagine the Minister for National Security actually said one of the reasons for extending the state of emergency was that it was tamping down on crime. So basically the best way to keep St. Lucia crime free is to put us all in jail. Think about that, folks. You can't make a living with your honest tire shop. You can't hustle for you to selfish. You have to come back at a certain time. You can't have your bar open past 9 o'clock. You couldn't sell alcohol before. All so that... They can tamp down on crime it's by jailing everyone. And this has somehow become acceptable. But solutions have been fed up for a while. It's just reached the boiling point now. Taking money, giving it to your friends, your rich aristocrat friends. Everything you set up is for you and your friends them. Gouvernement sala qui la, il a pour koi. Quantité l'argent qui en toi pays ya. L'argent passeport fait tout bagaille. By Dominic, qui t'a dans trois cas disaster. Yon ni l'école, yon ni health center, ni yon kafon bidim l'hôpital. Mise chasne kola, j'en passe pour nous passer. Qui kote y passe, mise chasne, qui paye y point, qui mounou bay li, kwe ale, dou bouta di nou ki sala jan a fe, ki sala a fe. Hein? L'école kakoule y, katombe a sou mama y, ou pa a manje y. Hmm? Ten years again, five years again of this guy, buddy. What are you gonna do? What, what, what St. Lucia gonna do? What are my people gonna do? Mister Chasse, no pas faire nous qui bon. Mister Chasse, no croiser tout bas cette ici. Nous tenions un porte ou deux boutli. Yo qu'a tout fait? Yo pas à travail, yo pas de manger, yo pas une personne pour garder pour yo. You understand me? Guys like Stevenson King, for Saint Lucia, for the country. Philip J. Pierre, for Saint Lucia, for the country. You understand me? Richard Frederick, no matter what you guys may say about this man. For
Chastner again. Show some commitment to assist your people. That's the first responsibility of a government to look after the well-being of its people. First responsibility. From Botswana to another Russian open country. Now, nothing of Saint Lucia in you. You understand me? Your mind, your heart is not in Saint Lucia. But people are suffering under you, buddy. You can say what you want about Kenny Anthony. The guy did better than you. As I call Shasne and tell Shasne, they owe us money and I see us money. We're getting no money. Set list, see that I'm passport set list. Au point, we're getting misery, chouvala, we're getting good carnival. Chouvala passage, jamais de bout. Et même les colombiens montés. Because chouvala pas dans rien pour bien puis au fait. Juste de bout là, t'as mangé là, un pays là. It is a fact that the United Workers Party mismanaged the money of Saint Lucia. It is a fact. It is a fact. The IMS look at your document and told you. Now everybody can spin it out in one. Richard Frederick may make it look worse. Guy Joseph will try to make it better. But it's a simple fact. Just this is a very devious move on the part of the government as far as the trust is concerned. It's a dishonest move on the part of the government. And it's in bad faith. But I can see. And what I see is bullshit. So when things get rough, you look for your people first. They're not the first ones to be making sacrifice for committed people from outside. Stand up in the city. I'm really sick of you all here. You know, if you're the ones who rule the country, not this guy. No man, you have a tie in a suit and an office. You are the rulers. So the question is, San Lucia, will you remain silent? Will you continue to remain silent? And so therefore, to have somebody who has made it public, her, her opinion about my party. No, people keep saying my, my father's party, but for me right now, what exists there is not what John Compton puts I'm a member of the trust. I am a St. Lucian, a proud St. Lucian. I am a former member of parliament. And I am the daughter of Sir John Compton, who stands right there looking at us in shock and horror. This is Constitution Park, right? These two trees here were planted on statehood when we became a nation. And this is what is happening today that the voice of St. Lucia is slowly being silenced. And while there are a bunch of soothsayers like the Chamber of Commerce and others that continue to be obsequious towards the Prime Minister no matter what, there are many professionals who simply could not work with this government's modus operandi. So it boils down to standing up. 
It boils down to looking at your children, looking at your family, looking at your community, looking at your country and looking at your future and saying, can I afford to sit this one out or do I need to stand en football, il y a ici seulement. Après ça, qui laisse le rechouvel ou faire Jean l'autre pays qui est l'autre pays, il y a des ressources ici. Qui Après avoir les derniers l'argent qui est là, comment est-ce qu'on va construire Ici, ici, levé son dernier Jean cette ici à présent. Traveling every day, eating steak. I'm not eating nothing like steak is chicken or bats. I'm eating. So I'm hungry and I'm suffering. Currently, the average local investor is of the view that the current investment regime and support institu institutions are designed to facilitate foreign direct investment. I think we have to rise up and put an end to the ignorance of our people. There's no other way to put it. We cannot have a generation of illiterates coming out of the school system in this day and age. It is just not. And this is why I tell you, your sanity is at stake because these are the people who do not have the chance of employment. And if you think that the alternative to crime is police and punishment, it is not. The alternative to crime is work and reward. So we're incentivizing foreign companies, and I have a problem with this, and I really don't care who likes it or doesn't like it. We're incentivizing foreign companies to come into St. Lucia, waive their taxes, make them more profitable so that they can put us out of business. That's what we're doing. And we need to be very, very clear about that because that makes no sense for people who are trying to grow businesses, earn profits, invest in the credit union, buy a house, build a, uh, uh, something, you know. I actually told Mr. Shasti on an interview, I give him a chance. I voted for the United Workers Party, fully heartedly. But right now, St. Lucia in jeopardy. St. Lucia have nothing to offer. The only thing Mr. Shasti is doing is just go ahead and lie to people of St. Lucia and in the air. I don't know what if he's a plane or whatever carrying people there. Mr. Shasti is nobody to run this country. None. And I'm very sorry. People of Jerry support Mr. Sasti, and I said to people, give Mr. Sasti a choice, and he's doing wrong things. I believe Mr. Sasti mad. Same set of people are getting the food every day. Watch hungry people they have on the road there. Watch them. Hungry people that need food. You hear that? And they're taking all the food and they're bringing it at their home. A selected few, they said that getting food. And people have to sit on the side of the road with their children and suffer the indignity of a handout. This is not how you build a nation. Do you know what it is for a child to recover from that image of sitting hungry on the side of the road waiting for a van to pass with a massy bag? You cannot recover from the psychological damage of that. And it is time for us to stop putting our people in that position. This is yeah. not yeah. in our country. I'm for my country. They need to go to jail. Jail all of them. They're going to jail. They need to jail them. All of them. All of them. Look at what's happening in the country now. Everything is neutral. Everybody suffering. The young children that come from school there, all of them prostituting themselves on the street because they don't have a job. They don't have a job. They have nothing to 
for that? You don't have nothing going on, nothing, everything in neutral. Jail all them guys, all of them. But uh, um, the, the crime that we have there, no. Maybe you don't know how to rule the country. Maybe you have education, but you know what to do. So they'll say that I cherry-picked Ancillary because Fede was already fantastically unpopular because of his own actions or inaction or actions with pageant goers, let's call it, let's say it that way, or maybe spending too much time in Bexo, right? But I went to another constituency, stronghold of the United Workers' Party, with the most infrastructure projects delivered, um, even if they were started by another administration, and even if all of the flood and drainage mitigation parts of it were not in there. But at the end of the day, let's hear from Sufren. to extend the emergency after two weeks, every time two weeks, four times. And you extend it for four months. People taking it hard. The rich people, they go survive. Talk have been going on the ground that election is around the corner. And what I'm seeing on social media, I am seeing that's exactly what's going on. If you are um, extending things for emergency, and you want to open the border, it makes no sense. The state of an emergency, I, I see that as a, a way. Um, Chasne is trying to grab onto power. Because you know, seeing that man come into power the way he came into power, and now, you check in, you got that state of emergency where you have more powers. So that is, where, that is more to silence us. He's usually to do what he wants to do now. Because we can say nothing. The opposition cannot speak about that. He just has to do what he wants to do now. Nobody likes us. The Prime Minister opening the country to allow people coming in. We definitely guarantee going to have cases of the virus. Our Prime Minister is trying to gain too much power over the opposition. We don't have a priority. There's always a need for stimulus, particularly for those at the bottom of the ladder. Uh, Tories coming from overseas. Lucia, like, I might have wondered what's going on. We haven't had that sickness, and then opening the border, foreigners and people has been passing through that door. That will cost us a lot, okay, because we don't have any proper hospital, any good hospital as yet, okay, and by the time the sickness starts spreading, where are we? Is the state of emergency they're going to land for until September? Is to keep the opposition down. The people are facing the real reality there is the self-employed person. We go on a taxi 
and right now I under fire the at least do something for the people in the morning by just selecting that, that gain information. In short of persons who had jobs where compensation was given from the government that these persons retain their jobs, that they are not released and new persons brought in. And up to now, government is not saying anything about stimulus package, nobody is not getting anything. What does he have to keep closed? It is nonsense. It is not moving as it's supposed to. His money for that, and he's doing capital projects and other things. But they should have given us some stimulus Shasta is only there for one set of people. Bus drivers, taxi drivers, right? They doesn't lose their gas money. Because if the bus is full, they're moving, right? But we're going out every day. And sometimes the amount of fuel you, you spend in, right? Sometimes it takes more than five hundred dollars fuel to go onto the post of St. Vincent and that. Right? And sometimes you have nothing. People are still crying. Come out and say something. The people are waiting for answers. No catch. And when you get in, no rebate. Man that can't even speak Creole. Man can't even speak Patois, nothing. Man can't even speak English. Why we have a premise for St. Pushin? You not listen to nobody. And we that put him in the... We that put him... We that put him the way he is right now. If it's good for him, it's bad for us. The government have to know that, okay, we have Maliways that are struggling to sell, sell a little big, a little aqua, a little chicken, until mid midnight. What you tell me about 8, 8 o'clock you have to shut down and then what you're home for 9 o'clock? How are the people going to survive? Sometimes you go there, you have to sit there hours until somebody can attend to you. They'll tell you, well, we don't have that medication, you have to fix something else. Going there, they'll tell you they can't do anything for you, but you have to wait outside. People have a hospital, you might put horse-raised track. When that money sells, you could have used that for the hospital. You want to do what you want to do, because election is around the corner. I, I don't know when last, I don't know when last hero come down. The minister has nothing to win. Where people in the community? Using ultrasound machines, extreme machines, daily Nothing is circulating. People don't have much money to spend. Now people living off the savings. You understand? So if there's a package to give to, you know, kind of soften the burden on people, it will work. Are they putting the needle underneath St. Lucia to behave like America? Right in September. September. Well, um, Monday is the 1st of June. We all, it's evidence to see that the country is broke, that COVID exposed. The whole thing, all the time them fellas saying, the economy is going well, you know, everything is going well. But through COVID came, we noticed that what they were saying is not, is not that. Because you can see now they, they, they don't even have money to pay civil servants. Everywhere in the world, in situation of crisis, some level of dictatorship takes place. I'm under fire. Nothing is running. To me, that's just this type of opposition in the union. have a lot of hypocrites on the island. You don't punish enough to do something. The minister that put in the money, the minister that do that, the minister that do something for suffering. We have no new jobs coming in. We have no money circulating. All we see is a bunch of Chinese. There is nothing for the people. We have to see for other people, only for themselves, only for themselves. So even if they want to say, well, I want that done in super or whatnot, what can you do? Chasse is a bully. 
have nowhere to get an income, right? And sometimes, what happens is that sometimes we go out there, the post guard, police tell us go back home. When you got bills to pay, right? You got mouth to pay. So if you open a vacancy, why do you want to have emergency power when you have no case? Uh, don't you find that silly? Where are they getting all that money to start all them contracts? And all them contracts that going on, that is just an election gimmick. To um, extend the state of emergency, if there anything to compensate people. And we can get $15,000 for this case. And we can get nothing. I'm not working and I have a... My son, whom, um, which is on a bill. Wherever I think these hands are tied. What are you doing? Nothing! You just went on and say, well, very respect. And now, a new cup of, of cooks on other mornings had to pay them to restart. We have to move diamond there, guys. We have to move diamond there. You think just you can't walk? I just say it's not. You just like Trump. As if you just just destroying everything that's going for black people here, as I like. Central election and things to have a change, you know. The thing that we can prosper again, but not be chastity. It's time for that. You know, it's time for that to have more respect for the history of the island. Problem in Supra is one set that eating, one set that getting everything, one set of people. Right now, right now, then the congregation is having something like from last night. They're distributing goods inside of there and nobody knows look at Van Jesson where that thing is going to. Yeah, look at Jesson. You don't listen to the to our to we. We the people in the community don't listen. This surprise is coming there from last night. And nobody knows. And that's not right. A government is elected for the people. Not for a select few. People that working in the foundation that like the sort of spring from the last from last night they didn't put in that day inside there. Going to one set of people. Eh? They should do something for everybody. They playing on politics if it so we want in time then. Only one set of people is it. One set of people is enjoying every everything and the others are there suffering. Foundation they play for um politics. Money is up here. Air and money disappear there and people getting material on, on people buy material to build their houses and is on the foundation that is being built and built. They should be giving everybody something. So why you have why you have a prime minister that don't listen to us and we that put in there? They think that we can prosper again, but not each other. We on the fire boss. We came to pray and start Breaking down our projects from the square. And Harold Richard was once again like a little baby. People are saying, well, okay, give him another chance again for him to get a pension. Pension? And we still have to suffer again another five years. He will not be sitting on next term. He will not. The man demolishing what he's not supposed to demolish when he is under the state of emergency. Our country is for sale. Some of us is waiting. And the landlord will not hear that. Coronavirus. You don't hear that? There is nothing for the people that people need help. They need help. We have to wake up. There are much poor people suffering. There are much single mothers. Shasta is the worst man. They never wanted him. They didn't want him. And now he's been worse. They don't want Shasta at all. They want his head off, man. Not literally cutting his neck.
but they want him out of government. UWB can be in power. We in deep shit. UWB can be in power, but the Prime Minister have to go. The Prime Minister can't be a He cannot be a chassis. So the question for you now is, have you had enough? Is enough enough or are you just saying that and then going back and taking more? Well, if enough is enough, then this Sunday, let's all go for a lime. On Sunday, this Sunday, we are going for a drive. We are going for a drive as concerned St. Lucians. We are St. Lucians first and foremost before we are members of any political party. We are going for a drive. We are going on a lime on Sunday. We are not pushing the red versus yellow. We know that war with each other. We are not pushing that agenda. We are pushing right versus wrong. We are pushing right versus wrong. Too much wrong is being done to us in this country. Too much wrong. And we need to right the wrong. We need to right the wrong. So, this is what we are standing for. We are standing for right versus wrong. I am on the side of right. And I know most solutions are on the side of right. Black, white, green, pink, any color. We are concerned solutions. And we can wear anything we want. We know there should be no mass crowd events, so we are not having any event. We are going on a nice round the island drive. We are going on a round the island drive. We will leave Castries in the region of Jeremy Street. I know uh, wherever we are parked, but we leave for the latest 10 o'clock. We will leave Castries for the latest 10 o'clock. We are driving. We are not being disobedient. We are obeying all laws. We are social distancing. Minukapwe Belty drive round the island. Round the island. Shastika drive round the island. Nubaha drive round the island. And I want all drivers to have with them the insurances and the driver's license licenses. We are doing everything in accordance with the law. Folks, Sunday, please wear your mask. Folks, wear your mask. Folks, make sure you have your license and insurance as you've just heard because they look for any reason to stop us even though we are well within our rights. We will be social distanced by the fact that we are in our vehicles and we are just going to drive around so that every solution can see each other and see if we share the same thought and the same reality. Now, for those who will castigate me or try to throw power because I'm telling people to wear, you know, national colors, I'm going to break down the psychology for you very simply. I don't believe that there are 100 solutions who voted Labour brass tacks. I don't believe there are hundreds of solutions who voted Labour who are going to vote UWP. 
I don't believe that there are a lot of people who voted UWP who are enamored with the government right now, but they themselves would like to show themselves. Now, I can't prevent, I'm not chastening, I'm not going to stifle anybody's freedom. If everybody wants to come in UWP yellow and Labour Party red, but the point is we stand a chance to seize a moment where you already know how you're voting. We already know in terms of those aspects how people, what people are going to do. But the national unity for those who just want, who are not necessarily so deep in the politics, who are not necessarily so savvy or so embedded or entrenched or diehard, but they just want to send a message that even if they are UWP, Labour or no party, that they just want to send one message, yes, they must go. And by being in the vehicle and everything, you will see manifestations of red, yellow, and all the other colors in between. But to encourage the national colors on my part is simply because you've seen Labour Party motorcades and you've seen UWP motorcades. And one message that gets through to people like Shastney, the UWP, or if it was the Labour Party in turn, is share numbers. Now, once you start seeing a ton of red, they'll tell you, oh, Labour Party pay bus for all these people. If, there was, if it was the opposite or you see a bunch of yellow, say the same thing. And the cognitive dissonance comes in. So for me, I'm not telling people what to wear, but I'm saying, think about it. What point are you trying to make? You know how you're going to vote. Others will see how they're going to vote on election day. But rather than polarize people one way or the other, let us come out as we are first and foremost solutions. And then everything can flow from there. My government showing well 200 projects that have come true in the four years. 200 projects that have come true in the four years. And none of them 200 projects do fall under the five to stay alive. <laughs> My God, is roads, rehabilitation, court rehabilitation, field rehabilitation. And what field? Fake fields. You understand? I thought my government was a natural government, you understand? But from the time my government continue, continued with tourism over agriculture, I knew my government was not uh, real. From the time my government started imposing them fake fields, synth synthetic fields, start imposing all them fake fields, you understand? All, our, all in our country, you understand? Soufre, fake field. Mikud, fake field. You know? Everywhere is a fake field, you understand? And my people, you're so proud of that, you know? Our government is making, is putting fake all around our countries, you understand? You all don't worry about our health, you understand? With all them synthetic pitches. What about our youth's health? How long will our youth will be able to play on them, on them pitches? If we have a two o'clock game under the hot sun, how healthy is it for our youth and them fake pitches, you understand? My government, where will you all generate the money to maintain them fake things, you understand? We have in natural fields with natural grass, and you can even maintain it, you understand? So you don't fake things, you only know that costs us more money to maintain. Awo! Ah, the cry of the people, you know. And as I tell you all, Sunday, it, it comes to my attention, well, Sunday there'll be a, ma a massive wrong the island, you understand? A massive wrong the island on Sunday to show, well, this, uh, the country in support of a, a new election. To show the country in support of getting Chastney out, you understand? So I know. If you all feel it necessary, my St. Lucian people, to go out and motorcade and show your support for St. Lucia, well, guidance, man. Guidance, I tell you all, man. Just do it, ah. Uh. 
we, we, we've came on, we've cautioned, man. Yeah, man. Keep the violence down and the drivers and the motorgate. Yeah, drive carefully, you understand? Yeah, man. Straight. Unity is strength, you understand? So I echo the sentiments of people like Cuthbert Didier and, of course, Richard Frederick when I say, because I truly believe this is not about red versus yellow, even if those would, there are people who would have you believe that. This is about right versus wrong. So if not now, when? It's getting even worse. Look at, look at, the, look at the, the breaking of the agreement with the trust, the breaking of a promise and the word of a government to a, a bona fide um, citizens group, which is not even statutory uh, that, that matter. That is unacceptable. If you look at the recent um, pieces of legislation that the government was trying to pass, um, all in one sitting, again, that is unacceptable. This is, this is government that is ruling with, a, with, I would say, excessive force. We need democracy where people, where people can debate. We need, we need to have general citizens able to look at policies, debate on policies themselves, influence policies, and for that matter, influence legislation. Because governments don't rule in the party interest, they rule in the people's interest. And they are supposed to. Well, you know, yes, they are supposed to, Janika, and we must insist. Now, you know, invariably the parties and, and various agents of government um, will bully us and, and tell us, you know, essentially we become fearful of speaking. There's no, there's no real freedom of speech because you're worried that they might hurt us, they might hurt our families, they might hurt our businesses. And that is true, they can. They can. But that is not democratic. That is not good governance. And I think the time has come, as St. Lucians, that we put our foot down. The extension of the state of emergency that, that, that people have objected to. Why can't we object? And why can't we be heard? And why can't we be given... Um, shall we say a, a good listening air and let us have a debate on the issues so that the right thing can be done by the, by the people of this country you know I, I just and in the end of the paper I point out that our ancestors people I'm a mixed race St. Lucian but I can tell you I have ancestors on both sides white and black and our, the, the, our ancestors that were in chattel slavery fought suffered and fought to, to, to overturn that, that oppressive system. And then we came to colonialism, which was really our new Jim Crow. And, and, and the British subjugated us with a system that called a Westminster system that, that, that they eventually gave us in our constitution. They continued the subjugation, even though their faces and colors of their skins may have changed. The, the concept remained what I call internal neo-colonialism. You know, so I stand with, with the spirits of Sir John Compton and Sir George Charles and those that have gone before because we cannot tolerate that kind of, 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 of system in our country. We need democracy. And in this COVID time, COVID has caused us to think deeply on our systems and how they, how they can hurt us. Some people even call it the pandemic. But you know, we in St. Lucia, I'm urging St. Lucians, I'm not even talking about um, being of a, of a particular political, political color. It does not matter. It is the one flag that we are under. We are one people. We need to know and assure that we have a democratic country, that we have control of our destiny. Like Sir John Compton said so beautifully, 
when he was arguing for independence, we need the ability to take charge and control our destiny. No, but you cannot control our destiny by a political elite who tells us what is good and right for us and then does it with regardless of what we think. Because that is not controlling, that is not controlling the destiny in a collective way. It is, a, it is a political elite controlling destiny for us. That's the colonial system all over again. Coming in a different form. I, I cannot abide by that. I'll be a traitor to the, to the ancestors. I'll be a traitor to Sir John Compton and, and Sir George Charles if, if I... So it's time to let those who know, know, know that they have to go. Good evening, sir. Hi, good evening to you, Connor. Good evening, Timothy. Good evening. I just want to tell Mr. Guy Joseph. Yes, go ahead, please, Connor. They, they, they have to, they, they would go. They have to go. You know, no matter how much they grow their economy, they, they, they have to go. This time around, they have to go. That's the extent of the contribution, sir. Okay. Thank you so much. As we continue to take your calls, once again, you are watching Newsmaker. Now, yes, I know we've gone late, but I'd still want to open the lines at 5727588. For any calls, 5727588. And those of you calling via WhatsApp, it's 4847588. That's below 4847588. We'll try to take two or three calls. And for those who are overseas who do not believe that this is a different moment from others, well, Sarah Flood has now distinguished herself as being the first St. Lucian politician most times, just so that you understand the context, someone is hung in effigy after they lose a seat or when people have given up on you and they're telling you that you are finished and politically you are done. Let us show the photo of Sarah Flood um, in effigy. This was from day before, yesterday. There you see that. But she has the distinction of being the first politician, male or female, to actually have herself in effigy twice, because this was not the first time, this is the second time she was also put in effigy in early 2018. Let's show that as I take the call. Good afternoon, caller. Hello. Good day. Good day, caller. Hi, good day. Yes? I'm just checking, um, do you know whether the NIC monies are still being paid? NIC monies are still being December paid. Some not received, neither April, neither May. A lot, um, the NIC monies are still being paid. Um, it, it depends. I do not want to venture guess at how this, how they're doing it systemically, but I do know that it's still being paid, and it is supposed to be for each person is supposed to be eligible for three months of between five hundred and a thousand five hundred dollars. But I know it's still active. I think that they've gotten through a certain percentage. I think they said they did like nine thousand people so far. But again, it's, there's a repetition of certain payments and more people who have not gotten paid. I know in just the last two weeks, they started to make payments out to the informal sector of people who are not necessarily in the system of NIC, like vendors and self-employed, some self-employed persons. No, because people, some people who actually with NIC for about 30, 40 years are saying that they've not, been, they've not received any money yet. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that. I can imagine, like I've said, taking an institution like that and essentially turning it into a chicken van type thing where they have to be scrambling. There must be systemic problems and bottlenecks. I, I'm sure that you are correct. Thank you, caller. So yes, the point that I was making is that Sarah Flood, for whatever reason right now, 
in a seat that has been won by the United Workers Party for the last four elections. And she was one who also won it on a Labour Party ticket, so she must have her own personal brand as well. Has been hung in effigy for a second time. Stevenson King also got hung in effigy in 20, late 2017, 2018. But Sarah definitely has distinguished herself. We have another call coming. Um, good afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, caller. Yes, yes, Christopher. Yes, go ahead, caller. How are you doing? I'm okay. Hello. Uh, I'm not getting through. Yes, caller. Caller, there's a bit of a delay, so just go ahead and speak. Uh, ahead. I will. <laughs> yes, Christopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you. You hearing me? Yes, call. I'm hearing you. You're listening to the delay. All right. Uh, um, I'm all out for the um, for the for the um, wrong girl on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 gonna make it my up my my duty to be there. But um, after this match, after this rally, you know what I want? What? And I'm saying that to all St. Lucians. We have to get together, at least 80,000 of us, to shut this country down. And that's what I want. Well, you know, right now, I'm over the edge. Right now, I'm over the edge, and I can't take it anymore. I'm pissed off of this government, and we send Lucia have to take it forward. We, we, we can't take it anymore. And I'm calling all solutions, all leaders, to get together. And let's have 80,000 of us, let's shut this country down once and for all. Because if they have to continue like that, I, I see we're going to have a civil, a civil unrest in this country. And we need to do that now, now, and now. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Well, I am not advocating, and I don't think anybody is advocating for civil unrest. We have another caller. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon, caller. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hunt? Yes, Mr. Hunt is my father. It's just me, Christopher. Sorry? Go ahead, caller. Okay. Yes. Wouldn't you think, looking at the quality... Looking at the quality of governance we've had since so-called independent, wouldn't it be right? Do, oh my goodness! Let me turn off that radio. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Somebody who's don't you think that we could describe our colonial government as a racist government? I'm not talking about the prime minister. I'm not saying that he is racist, but the system of governance we have is to be sure to ensure now, not because it's happening everywhere else that makes it, not that we will say, well, it's happening everywhere else, but it's all the same, the same problem, the same repression for black people, no matter whether they, 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 they led uh, or they have black people at the helm of government. Okay what I mean? But in the system of governance, we'll guarantee to keep the majority, it's guaranteed to keep the majority poor so that the rich, I mean, the only way you could be poor is if the people that you are serving, you know, get rich of, of, of your work. So then can't our present system of government, where you have um, two um, political groups vying for power, and then when they get into power, their focus is for, for them to remain in power. They would not want to allow power to be shared to the, to, to the people. And it's about repression. It's about being in bed with the rich. You know, the public sector and the private sector is one and the same. They, they, they hand in glove against 
the, 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 majority, the majority of the population, especially from a neo-colonial environment. So don't you think we should really be continuing to agitate for government for the people based on reform, you know, based on, uh, not based on a system where that guarantees a division of, of, of ideas on the, of the political lines with red and, and yellow? Well, we should eliminate the idea of, of, of built-in um, division, because through that built-in division, if we, let's say we have a good government, a good quality government, the reactionary forces from overseas, our enemies from overseas, have a waiting large amount of people to overthrow the government. Whether it is a, a, a smaller amount or large, they have a, a set of people that are there in the, the opposition to destabilize the ruling party. So if we can, if we can, we are allowed, if our politicians do not continue to betray us, you know, and I, when I say betray us, I'm referring to not Mr. Shastner, but the people that are keeping him props. Mm. The people that are approving of everything that he does, especially right now, he has instituted, he, he has um, voted that he could operate as a dictator on the, what do you call it, the system of, um, by draconian, by the system by of, the Westminster, Our Westminster Emergency. system of government. Sorry? Our Westminster system of government. Yeah, our, yeah, our one Westminster system of government, yes. First past uh, post. it works for the developed world, that is not my business. That is their business. They instituted it. Their forefathers instituted it. But for us, brown and black people, we, do, do we have to walk into the system that, 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 that they dumped on us? And should we allow it to perpetuate? Because it's not really working for us. Okay, Kuala. It's working I, for the Kuala, less than I, one person minority. I get your point. And that should be part Okay, Kola, Kola, hold, hold on for me a second. I get your point, but first of all, I do, just like when they talk about systemic racism, I believe that there's systemic colonial influence in what we've inherited because these we were a colony, we went to associated statehood, and our independence, our constitution. Funny that the British have amended their constitution at least 19 times, and St. Lucia's made no amendments to their constitution. On top of that, my issue is whether taking a bad foundation and putting a different house on it is necessarily going to solve the problem that may be bad in terms of the foundation when it comes to government. But that's a bigger discussion. But for me, my thing is, which is the same emphasis I want to make, is not on race, but on values. And I believe, I, that, I know. And I believe <laughs> that both St. Lucians and foreigners can have humanistic values. And I believe that St. Lucians have St. Lucian values which encompass all. But I honestly believe that the Prime Minister just in many ways doesn't share our values. And we also... No, no, he would we, not. How are you expecting to have a different culture, different also, ethnicity, different yeah, no, religion, different race, part, different everything? What he has in... Call call hold on, hold on, call a, hold on, nationality. Call a, hold on. There's also yeah, one sorry. part that we are missing. That we knew these things... And we devalued our own values by putting somebody there who didn't share our values. So what does it say about how we respect our own values? Well, maybe now we'll, we'll figure it out moving forward. The good thing about it is, um, if you're going to lose, at least don't lose the lesson. But thank you, caller. I'm out of time for today. Thank you very much. And I know you're the caller that wants to talk about reform. So hopefully, as soon as next week, Monday, we can re-engage in that. Because I really do think a platform that people should vote for should be one predicated on who's going to give you the change that we need, not just the glugler. Thank you very much, caller. Thanks a great deal. Yeah. Okay, folks, I've run out of time. 
But this Sunday, I do want to dedicate my Sunday to um, my mom. It's going to be her birthday on Sunday. And um, at least I for sure will be going around the island in her honor. I'd like to show her photo for a good 10 seconds there. And, you know, in this mixed-race woman (laughs) who is in St. Lucia and was educated both between England and St. Lucia, she has protested in St. Lucia numerous times, written articles, advocated politically, been on motorcades, marches, rallies. She has demonstrated, she has experienced racism here and in England. She has experienced discrimination for religion and all other types of things. And she's gotten it from all sides. And yet somehow in terms of raising us, I can definitely say that we did not get any of the bitterness of that. We got the education for it and from it. And as much as I spend a lot of time, and many people know my father's documented history, for somebody that I'm pretty certain is among the top 10 smartest women in St. Lucia and most well-read, I must say that in every one of us there is an advocate. It doesn't matter how you look, where you come from, what your background is, who you are, your name, or even your economic station or status or perceived status in St. Lucia. As long as you know the difference between right and wrong, Sunday this line that we take in, this drive that we take in, is not about red versus yellow, even if people want to conflate it as such. It is going to be about right versus wrong. So I'll close today in saying advanced birthday greetings to her, as I threw my earpiece out. And I'm also going to say to everyone, I hope to see you there. Let's make some history so that we can follow the greats like people like Sir Derek Walker. It's true that I'm scared of what's happening in St. Lucia. My island, the hotels are going up rapidly, tourism is booming, but we still don't have a museum, we still don't have a theater. Derek had a passion for St. Lucia, for his country. I watched the doomed acres where yet another luxury hotel will be built with ordinary people fenced out. He was very passionate about... um, not turning all our beaches into hotels. And he's written so eloquently about the desecration of this island, the abuse of the island. The new makers of our history profit without guilt and are in fact prophets of a policy that will make this island a mall. So he's very, very strong against a kind of development that would make us lose our souls. These new plantations by the sea the slavery without chains. expressed on this TV program by the host, co-host, guest and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates.